welcome to the August 23rd, 2012 episode of Jacket Talk. I'm Scott Reed. This is episode 2 of the 2012 season, and we are just 10 days away from Tell Meets Leather between the George Tech Yellow Jackets, of course, and the Virginia Tech Hokies, and there's a lot to talk about about that matchup, and we'll get to some of that later as uh, well as what I think about the positions looking ahead into this 2012 season. Uh, and we also, uh, at the end, we'll touch a little bit on some basketball talk as well. Not that much. We don't, I don't like to talk about it that much. But during the football-only segment, the portion of the fall, that is up, up until November, but we'll touch some important events that have happened this week. Uh, quick first, though, a couple updates uh, as far as uh, a couple updates on the show. We have added, uh, we have gotten an email address uh, jacket talk podcast at gmail.com so that will be for fan emails if you've got any comments suggestions ideas or uh, want to have something of an opinion maybe read on the show by me on the, on the podcast please do not hesitate send me an email jacket talk podcast at gmail.com we're also working on getting a voicemail box uh, for those of you uh, passionate fans want to leave some messages in response to a game or after a game before game thoughts we're working on that, and we'll have a trying to we'll try to have a number for you to be able to call uh, by ne- by next week's show, which should come up uh, right around Thursday of next week. That'll give us um, a little time to preview uh, Virginia Tech. But uh, let's let's get into some of the meat of it this week, and, and let's start with that matchup next Monday night. As I said, we're just ten days away, and there's a lot of talk, uh, as one would expect, about that game between the Hogies and the Jackets. A lot of press this week. About that matchup, a good good number of opening week matchups this year, and Tech Virginia Tech is certainly uh, one of them. And it's going to get prime billing there on Monday night national television, uh, and is the only game in that time slot. I think uh, I think it was two years ago the Miami Florida State game in that maybe it was two or three years ago Miami Florida State game in that time slot actually got the largest rating for any uh, college football game in its year. So. Uh, it does get some good numbers. It's it's a week before Monday Night Football starts uh, with the NFL, so people are trying to starting to get into that habit of watching a game on Monday, and a lot of people will tune in to uh, hopefully uh, to see the Jackets to, to take on and beat the Hokies. Last year, that game was Miami and Maryland, I believe. Maryland debuted those wacky uh, state flag uniforms in that game uh, against the Miami Hurricanes. But as I said, a lot of press about this matchup, and uh, a lot of. A lot of talk about the Virginia Tech defense. Several articles coming out this week. One by the Associated Press talking about how Virginia Tech defense is really hoping to return to the Bud Foster days. Well, Bud Foster's still there, but return to the dominant days of the 2005 and 2006 seasons when they uh, ranked tops in the nation in total defense both of those years. That's kind of a goal. That's a goal that they've set for themselves. The defense has, and uh, that's going to be pretty formidable. I think they're returning. They're returning about 10 starters on defense, uh, and it, it's a defense that that. George Tech's had a lot of trouble with, I think, uh, under under Paul Johnson. Tech, we we've scored. I don't. We haven't had the issues that uh, for for, uh, for multiple reasons we've had with a team like Miami, for example, that's been able to stop stymie uh, the Jackets more uh, on offense. But Virginia Tech, uh, they've been able to to at least control uh, our offense, and, and they've come out winning three or four. Beamer has against Paul Johnson. Um, and and Beamer had a lot of quotes this week as well, and I uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Frank Beamer. I, I do think he's I think he's the, probably the best coach in the conference. Well, let me rephrase that: he's got the best career so far of any head coach in the conference. Although I, I would also put our own Paul Johnson up there with uh, the national titles he won at Georgia Southern. But Frank Beamer, no doubt, is Virginia Tech football, uh, and he's been there the last two decades. I will say this about Frank, though he 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 does tend to whine a lot. 
He makes a lot of excuses. And I'm not saying this just as a Georgia Tech fan. This is a widely perceived by a number of fan bases about Coach Beamer. Uh, and he made another, another one this week. He, he, they, they asked him about the short week to prepare for uh, their second game of the year, which will be Austin P, And they'll be hosting the Austin P at Lane Stadium. And uh, asking him, of course, about... Uh, that game two years ago in which the Hokies lost to James Madison in that short week following their loss to Boise State. And Frank Beamer was uh, tried to make a difference. He tried to differentiate this year and that, that year two years ago uh, and, and say why this might be different. And he said the, the difference was playing at FedEx Field in, in Landover, Maryland, uh, where the Redskins played. They played that Boise State game there versus playing at home. And uh, he talked about playing at FedEx, and you get back in at 5 a.m. with a short week. And he said, I don't think you ever get caught up. And he says, well, you know, and then basically saying, well, we're at home this year. That That's not going to happen. Um, and it's just stuff like that, I think, that rubs some people the wrong way. I mean, really just you know, saying that, well, we lost to James Madison because we were playing at FedEx Field rather than at home uh, in that opener. Uh, I, I think a lot of a lot of people, that, that can definitely rub the wrong way when um, definitely when you make those kinds of excuses, and this is a coach, um, he's done this with George Tech in particular in the past. Uh, he, he was uh, complained a lot about um, cut blocks, or as he as he called them, illegal chop blocks, uh, when uh, the Jackets beat Virginia Tech uh, in 2009 on their way to the ACC title. Uh, and uh, you do hear this about a coach Beamer at times, and it's something that I wish he would avoid. Uh, but he does. But I do have tremendous respect for for, Beam, for Coach Beamer and Coach Bud Foster as well, uh, the defensive coordinator up there in Blacksburg. But back back to my point, the defense, uh, ten returning starters, and they're going to have uh, the, the, the Georgia Tech offense is going to have we're going to have our hands full uh, to be honest. And, and certainly uh, with a uh, entire seminar prepare for us to prepare for any offense is an advantage for the defense. But um, Although I am a, a great Paul Johnson fan, and I am a fan of the offense. I am a fan of a triple option offense. I, I do think there is some credence in being able to prepare uh, over uh, several weeks or months for offense, and I think we're going to have our hands full. Uh, and on the other side, uh, Logan Thomas, uh, the quarterback for the Hokies, is getting a lot of press as well. I think it was Mel Kuyper that ranked him as a, a potential top five pick uh, or a top five NFL prospect in, in, in the country. And uh, it's hard it's hard to disagree with a guy like Kuyper. Thomas is 6'6", as a quarterback, accounted uh, for 30 total touchdowns, 19 through the air, 11 on the ground last year as a quarterback for the Hokies, and he's really just a machine back there. Uh, we saw it, uh, unfortunately, uh, in Atlanta as uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech came in and, and took that Thursday night showdown with us. Thomas was just unstoppable back there, both with his arm, but, but more importantly with his legs. And getting behind that offensive line, it seemed like whenever Thomas needed those short yards as, uh, in a short yard situation, he just bowled at, back behind his line, and, and uh, that quarterback sneak was unstoppable. That's something that, uh, and, and we'll have a more in-depth preview of this game next week in our episode, episode three of this 2012 season of Jacket Talk. But that's something that I'll tell you right now that, if if Tech if George Tech can't stop uh, if we can't stop the uh, the quarterback sneak then then we might as well pack him and go home because that last year was an absolute death knell uh, for the Jackets just a, a simple quarterback sneak a little bit rem- reminiscent uh, when I was watching that game last year just an aside uh, of the Woody Dantzler uh, 2001 Tech Clemson game which I guess I was uh, I was a boy about about 11 and I was in the stands and uh, that still ranks up there in the top three or four or five toughest losses uh, for me as a Jacket fan. But just uh, I was able to just think about that drawing some parallels between those two games. We were unable to stop Danzler on the quarterback draw uh, that game 11 years ago, 
that was uh, Ted Roof was the defensive coordinator then, and the, everyone in the, in the stands, everyone in the stadium knew what was going what, what they were going to call. The Tigers were going to call a, a quarterback draw, and and they did, and, and it was just automatic every time. Felt that felt like that last year with the quarterback sneak lining up under center for Logan Thomas, and uh, that's got to be uh, that's got to be priority really number one for Tech is uh, on defense is just stop Thomas from advancing the, the ball himself. Uh, but anyway, you know a lot of talk about that, and it, it will get good billing as I said as that ESPN Monday Night Showdown. And uh, although uh, George Tech not ranking the Associated Press or the ESPN uh, USA Today poll in the top 25, we were we were uh, number 20 in, in Sports Illustrated. I always love that poll. That's uh, father and I always talk about how that for us signals kind of signals the, the start of the college football season. Is uh, two things. Number one used to be uh, fan day going to that was a bigger deal for me when I was younger. But going and, and seeing all the players and getting autographs that's, and and things like that that was. Uh, Indicator number one of the college football season. Number two, the indicator of the start of the football season was the Sports Illustrated issue. So I always used to love looking at those polls, and we were 20 in that poll, but unranked in the uh, two official polls. So uh, I think that may take a little bit of the hype off the matchup, as um, what ESPN would say about the matchup, but uh, it will certainly get a lot of viewers, and it's a great chance to show the nation um, what we can do with this offense and, and what po- Coach Johnson can, can do with this Georgia Tech team in the ACC. But let's uh, move on. We've been uh, we started last week in, in our first episode of Jack and Talk, going through the position groups. We went through uh, position battles for quarterback, offensive line, and B back. And we're going to continue today. We're actually going to do four groups. We're going to do four groups. We're going to do A-back, uh, wide receiver, defensive back, and we're going to do the uh, little bit of special teams. We're going to do the kicking uh, kicking position battles. There was some news about that this week. So uh, we'll run, run through these position groups, and I'll discuss a bit what I think our prospects are at each position uh, for this 2012 season, starting with A-backs. Uh, starting with the A-backs, uh, of, of course, uh, in this offense, not, not the B-back, which lines up traditionally behind the quarterback, but uh, kind of the two... Uh, Wingbacks or, or backs that are uh, halfway between the B-back and the A-back to the line of scrimmage, but on either side of the quarterback. Uh, and, and one of the A-backs will be filled, barring injury, uh, by Orwin Smith, the senior, um, from uh, out of the state of Alabama. Smith probably is the headliner uh, this offseason in terms of uh, press coverage uh, as far as stardom or potential, uh, potential star in 2012. Smith uh, averaging 10 yards a carry. Explosive. He's has made some headlines by proclaiming that he wants to be the uh, all-purpose yards leader in college football in 2012. And I say more power to you, Orwin. Go for it. I mean, it's, it's certainly a lofty goal, but uh, it, you've got to aim high. And and uh, Smith is, is going to be a player. He's going to be a great player for us this year, as he was last year, in, in my opinion. And, you know, he's not only 
not only a great runner, we've seen his seen his speed, seen his shiftiness, but a great pass catcher as well. Uh, and this A-back position that we're talking about here, I think going to be uh, very important how they step up uh, in the passing game. Not only in the running game, but the passing game as well, because as I'll talk about when we move to the wide receiving group, we have uh, George Tech has not a single receiver, returning wide receiver, uh, has a pass catch to his name. So it's going to be important for guys like Orwin Smith, guys like B.J. Bostic coming off an injury, guys like Tony Zinnan uh, to step up and uh, be able to provide a pass-catching threat as well to Tevin Washington. Uh, Orwin Smith will be lining up at 1A back position. He'll be backed up by B.J. Bostic. Now, I'm, I'm really intrigued uh, by... Uh, Bostic this year, and I'm really interested to see how he comes out in the first couple games, see how he plays. BJ, uh, for those of you who remember, in the 20, uh, 2010 uh, year, his freshman year, played played a fair bit. Um, got, he uh, got got a lot of runs. Um, was a, I'd say he ran probably more off that pitch, um, the kind of end-around pitch uh, in 2010. Very speedy, uh, and guy who can really break it. But last year, uh, out for the year with an injury that he sustained in summer practice. So we didn't get to see any of BJ. But we will see him this year backing up Orwin Smith. That's a guy that, can, when replacing Orwin for spells, um, can really do some damage on the defense. Zenon uh, will be third in that uh, first A-back position behind Bostic and, of course, behind Smith. Tony, uh, he's a, he did catch three passes last year. He burned uh, Middle Tennessee State down the sideline, I remember, in game, game three or four of uh, that 2011 campaign. Uh, Tony, really small, but perhaps uh, a lot of players and coaches say he may be the quickest guy on the team. Um, really uh, at that A-back position, and uh, I'll go over the second, the, the other A-back position as well, Robbie Godai. Uh, he had just two carry, just two carries last year. Uh, this is uh, coming in uh, 2012, and he's one of those guys I talked about last week that when you look at the summer, when you look at summer practice reports, you know, what do you look for? And um, a lot of it's just coach speak, a lot of it's just player speak, getting ready for the year. But one thing to note is who are the guys that seem to be brought up by a lot of the other players and the coaches as particularly standout and surprise standout performers. Fred Holton's one of them. He's a safety, and we'll get to him when we cover that position group later uh, in this episode. But Godhai is another guy people were really excited about, and people, myself included, a lot of fans here, were surprised to see him get that starting position in the other A-back, uh, in the other A-back slot. And we still have 10, game, 10 days before game day. But uh, Godai is a guy that's, uh, you know, a bit of an unknown for those of us who've just seen the Jackets play games. As I said, just two carries last year. Deion Hill will back him up. Uh, bottom line with the A-back position, A-back group, uh, we've got a lot of versatile guys. Uh, we, all, we also, uh, I think uh, we've seen Chris Jackson play there in the past, but they moved him to wide receiver. But still, we do have, we're trying to replace uh, Roddy Jones, uh, who graduated last year. And uh, I think the A-back position, it, we, are, we have a lot of more than capable guys, led, of course, by Oren Smith. Moving on to wide receiver, this one is, uh, is a pretty big question mark. As I said earlier in the, in the show, we do not have a single returning wide receiver with a catch. Nobody's caught a ball in game uh, game action as uh, Tech lost uh, Stephen Hill uh, last year. The NFL draft drafted by the New York Jets. Good luck to Stephen this year, but uh, we're left uh, without uh, without uh, our leading pass catching threat. And so we do uh, we do see a lot of reports about four guys in the mix: a wide receiver, um, Jeremy Moore, Darren Waller, Jeff Green, and Chris Jackson, who I mentioned earlier. Moore and Green are slated to be the starters right now. 
Uh, I think Darren Waller is a guy who can step in. Uh, from what I know, from, from just from practice reports and the fact that he's six five, I, I think is is really going to be a key for these jackets. Tech uh, needs to be able to have some semblance of a passing threat. I think we saw that was a big difference between the 2009 and the 2010 Jacket team. Of course, the 2009 team winning the ACC title uh, in large part because of the play of Demarius Thomas, who went on to uh, now be starting for the Denver Broncos. But uh, Thomas, although he didn't have the number of pass catches that a lot of the better wide receivers in college football had, uh, he was able to burst, uh, bust through with some big plays and really provide a, a threat. Uh, for Josh Nesbitt back there, and uh, when he went, I think that uh, defenses were able to more key in on the run, and uh, that was one big difference why the 2010 offense was not as prolific as the 2009 one. And you've got to have that threat not only to, not only for just more of a little bit of a balance on offense, but to pull some guys away on defense so they don't pack the box, so they don't simply sell out and uh, and and go for the run. And and it will be important for Avax to step up like Orwin Smith in terms of pass catching, but um, very intrigued. I'm very intrigued about uh, Darren Waller, Jeff Green, uh, and Jeremy Moore, and and we'll see how they how they progress. I wish I had more to say about these guys. I really just really don't. Uh, other than seeing them block in game action, basically, I don't have that that much to say. But I'm sure we'll, as fans, be able to pick out some some guys who may be game changers as soon as game one. Of course, against the Hokies. Um, Let's uh, continue on. Our third position group will go over today, the defensive backs. Uh, now, this is a strength, it's a, but it's also a question, I believe, with uh, the situation of Lewis Young. Those of you who followed the, this jacket offseason know that Lewis uh, is in the middle of a suspension, a two-game suspension for selling his ticket to the Tech Georgia game to a friend last year, which is against NCAA rules. It's a two-game suspension. He was suspended for the Sun Bowl, lost to Utah. Uh, and is the second game he'll be serving will be the Virginia Tech uh, season opener. He's also hurt, apparently. That was kind of under wraps. Um, no pun intended, as his arm is also under wraps. But uh, it was kind of kept quiet, uh, I think, by coaches, and, and, and the media didn't, didn't really pick up on it until last week. Lewis also has a broken arm, but apparently the cast is off, and he could be back as soon as the Virginia game, which is game three of this 2012 season. Um, and when you, when you consider he's going to be suspended for Virginia Tech anyway, simply having him out for the Presbyterian, knock on wood, may not be that big of a deal. But a bit of a question going into game one. Still, though, uh, it's a strength, I would say, for this team and for this defense. The, the two cornerback positions so far, it looks like, uh, in one slot, it'll be Jamea uh, Thomas. Uh, who, in my opinion, is, is really the uh, the top baller on this team, really the biggest playmaker on defense, I think, in terms of just in style and athletic potential, uh, especially since, unfortunately, Julian Burnett, uh, we lost him to a career-ending injury in the Sun Bowl. But Thomas had a coming-out party in that big upset over top five Clemson last year with two interceptions. Uh, Jamea, though, the question about him uh, is, is really getting him the reps. Uh, he... I, I, I think he's certainly quite a player, an athletic guy. He can hit, a uh, really good hitter for a defensive back. But um, pa- pass coverage so far, uh, man to man, just in terms of, of just me watching, uh, his pass coverage has not been necessarily what we want um, in terms of uh, every down. 
And I think that's part of the reason that he uh, only started three games last year and uh, was in and out of the in and out of the ball games a lot uh, in the 2011 season. But expect to see him more this year, and I think that's definitely a good thing for this jacket defense. He'll be backed up by Lewis Young, uh, who I think they're going to, with both of them being when both of them are healthy, I think they're supposed to more platoon in that corner spot. Um, but we'll see. And, and in the second quarterback position, we have uh, Roderick Sweeting, who is another one of those guys who is being mentioned by a lot of coaches and players, is really having a great offseason. And now coming into his senior season, Roderick, uh, out of Locust Grove, Georgia, was fifth last year in the ACC in pass breakups. He did have three interceptions. And uh, Rod, I think, is going to be uh, a shutdown corner this year. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, because we haven't haven't had a tr- really really that big of a shutdown guy at cornerback, I think uh, since Morgan Burnett, although he also was also played a lot of safety as well, but switched those two. Uh, and uh, so, but so Sweeting at one corner, Thomas and Young platooning at the other cornerback position. Jamal Golden uh, out of. I think he's out of Wetumpka, Alabama, the same high school as Tevin Washington. Actually, uh, that will be backing up Rod Sweeting. Now the safety positions. Uh, Isaiah Johnson, a junior, will be the strong safety. Fred Holden at the free safety, those starters. Both of those are starters. Johnson, out of Sandy Creek High School, uh, did make a lot of headlines his freshman year, was one of the uh, few freshmen to be uh, a significant contributor that year, and I guess was 2010. But And, and last year was very so- solid as well. He was um, second on the team in tackles to Julian Burnett. He had... Uh, Thomas, uh, Jimmy Johnson had 78 tackles, and uh, he did make third team All ACC. He had a um, few interceptions as well, including that big interception return for a touchdown that locked up the game up there in Raleigh. The win over the NC State Wolfpack. Johnson, uh, look, really, I'm really looking forward to seeing him on the field again in year three of his career here down here on the flats. And uh, I think a, a good guy, good hitter, and a, a good, a good. Uh, He's a good defender as well, a good guy in pass coverage. Fred Holton is a, supposed to be, just from what we've heard this offseason, just a great physical specimen, good guy in pass coverage, and an even better uh, hitter. Uh, and, and, and as a free safety guy, coming over the top like that, and it's certainly an asset to get in the minds of wide receivers trying to cross over the middle or going deep. Holton, um, kind of a small guy, I think weighs just about 200 pounds, uh, well, it's small, of course, small for a defensive player, I guess, uh, in the ACC. Uh, not small, not small in terms of uh, daily life. But Holden is supposed to be really, uh, really strong. Great bench press numbers, great power clean numbers, great upper body strength. And we missed him last year. He was out for this. He was out for the year uh, with an injury that was uh, sustained in the preseason. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that you say, "Wow, you know, where where had he been?" We're, we're really excited to see him here in 2012. So the, the, the secondary, uh, as I said, is a strength, although we're still, word is still out on how the Lewis Young situation uh, will affect this secondary. And uh, just uh, I said this in the first episode, I don't, I don't talk about recruiting a lot. I don't go into um, kind of the soap opera that these days that is a lot of high school and college recruiting. But I will say this, uh, the secondary is an example where I think, you know, maybe the star system in recruiting does um, d- does mean something. We've got uh, three, four-star starters back there. We don't uh, at Tech. We do 
get a handful of four-star guys uh, that are ranked that way by the services, though not that many, but three of them are in the secondary. Isaiah Johnson was a four-star guy. Uh, Lewis Young and Rod Sweeting were all three star, were all four star guys. Excuse me. And uh, three or four years later, they're now starting or or uh, are really playmakers. And and uh, maybe that's something to pay attention to. That you know when we when the Jackets do get a guy that's really re- that's really ranked highly, uh, it is going to mean something. And, and and you know the guys Morge Uze, for example, uh, four star as well coming in. But that's just that's a debate that. Uh, probably should stick to message boards and uh, between online fans uh, that are a little more obsessed with recruiting uh, than the average Jacket fan. But that uh, actually, I was going to say that about does it, but I decided to add one more position battle because some news was announced this week, uh, and that that this is the kicking position. And the, uh, the news that came down from Coach Johnson was that David Scully will be getting the start at kicker, both uh, performing the kickoff duties and... Uh, kicking extra points and field goals. Now, last year, Justin Moore uh, was the principal uh, principal guy doing extra points and field goals. 56 for 56 on extra points. That was a school record for the most extra points in the year. Uh, although that's you know that's a little misleading because that's mostly because we scored a lot on offense and he just converted the extra points. Uh, but Moore, I think, a uh, bit inconsistent at times. Just 11 for 17 on the year last year, eighth in the ACC in terms of field goal percentage. Uh, he was he was eight for 10 inside the 40 yard line, but just three for seven beyond 40 yards, and you could tell that this was really hampering. Uh, this was really getting on uh, weighing on the mind of Coach Johnson. You saw more pulled um, at one at once in the Sun Bowl uh, for Scully. Now Scully missed a. Uh, 48-yarder that would have won the game in regulation, but it's clear that in all of uh, Coach Johnson's four years, now coming in his fifth year on the flats at Georgia Tech, he's never, in my opinion, he's never been that comfortable with the kicker, and that includes Scott Blair, uh, who was a great performer for the Jackets, had uh, some notable moments, including a game winner against Clemson, that pass touchdown against Clemson, and then a great game in the AC Championship game, but Blair... Never one of those guys, not a Travis Bell, not a Luke Manjay, um, not a guy that you really just – none of these guys under Coach Johnson have been, have been players that, as fans, you are at ease with them going out there. Um, and that's, I think that's been a large reason why Coach Johnson's decided to go for it a lot uh, when, when the Jackets are between the 25 and the 35 because he doesn't trust his field goal team. and. I would like to see what kind of offensive numbers we're able to put up uh, points on the board with a uh, more consistent kicker. But it'll be David Scully getting the job this year. Scully split kickoff duties with more. Uh, David had David Scully had 43 of the 80 kickoffs last year, so just over half. I think his his legs strong enough for kickoffs. Uh, yes, uh, average averaged uh, 64.3 yards per kickoff, which wasn't that great last year. But when you factor in the fact that the kickoff line moved up to the 25 this year. That puts it kicking an average of right around the one yard line, uh, which is where you want. Uh, seeing as that's the that's the median or the or the mean. So hopefully you get a few a uh, few touchbacks in there. But Scully, um, for fans, we we've only seen him attempt one game, one field goal in game action, and that was that miss in the Sun Bowl. Uh, so bit of an unknown there on special teams. But the good news is, is he. 
he beat out the known, the known quantity, which was Justin Moore. Uh, Moore, uh, as I said, you know, an all right kicker, 11 for 17. Um, but I think that uh, Johnson decided he wanted to, to cast his marbles with Scully. One thing about Moore, I will say, although he did make 11, he did make 11 field goals last year. The trajectories of the, of his field goals, just just to me, as a, I, I didn't kick. I've never, I've never really never been a kicker, but <coughs> excuse me. Uh, to me, it seemed like the tra- the trajectory of his kicks was always a bit low. Uh, he always seemed to be uh, in risk of block of uh, of getting it blocked, and uh, that's something that that um, I think we'll be able to judge of Scully more uh, now that that he's going to get the starting position. And uh, of course, uh, next year we supposedly have the top kicker in the state coming in, Harrison Butker. So maybe this is just a one year bat. Uh, one-year position battle, but you never want to count those eggs uh, before they arrive on campus. So that does it for football news for the week. I do want to touch a bit on basketball, and the, the, this is not basketball season, and we're all, of course, 100% or 98% focused on the football season opener at Virginia Tech on Monday, but really great, heartwarming news coming out of uh, coming out of the Tech campus this week. Um, of course, a lot, a lot of those following the Jackets must know Coach uh, Bobby Crimmins, who coached at Tech uh, for, I think it was 19 years, <coughs> uh, has decided uh, after after retiring from uh, his position at the College of Charleston head coach that he'll be a, an advisor to the Yellow Jacket men's basketball program and to head coach Brian Gregory. Really great news conference, uh, two, uh, I think it was uh, two days ago on Wednesday, or actually that was yesterday, and I, for for. Tech fans, I really recommend going on, on RamblerRec.com and, and taking a look at that video. Uh, it's about a half-hour press conference. Just just great to see Coach Crimmins uh, excited about Tech basketball, excited about helping out. Uh, personally, I say I, I am 22, so uh, Coach Crimmins was the coach at Tech for the first 10 years of my life until 2000. I, I don't remember the great the great team from you know, eighty-five to ninety-three. I don't remember. Don't remember those years. I wasn't alive for for half of them, and I was too young to remember the other ones. But I do remember uh, going to uh, going to games since I was very little and seeing uh, Coach Crimmins up on the sideline, his white hair dancing around, um, really into the game. Always seen a really positive, uh, really positive guy. And and the few interactions I've had with him, but I think it was a couple ACC tournaments. Uh, when, he did some announcing for Raycom in between his coaching stints at Tech and College Charleston. Always just a great guy to be around, and he's a guy that even rival team, rival coaches, rival fans will say is a class act, and I think Georgia Tech will be uh, much the better for having him back, at least in some capacity, as an advisor. Uh, and that was great news this week. And really, I will just say this about the basketball program. There's a lot, there was a lot to be excited about. Really hope Tech fans will get behind Coach Gregory and this program I know it's been a tough uh, last two or three years, certainly with the end of the, co- the the end of the Paul Hewitt era, and last year being a really rough start, just the way with the without a home and with uh, really a roster that was quite depleted in terms of talent. But as I said, a lot to, to look ahead to, <clears throat> not only with the new arena opening this year, but with the recruiting that Coach Gregory and his staff have been doing. I really think that Tech is on the way up uh, in terms of basketball. But we're just ten weeks, uh, ten days away from the season opener for football for the Jackets and the Hokies on Monday night. 
And next week we'll be having our first preview episode, first game preview episode of the year, the Virginia Tech preview episode that will come online. We're going to try to get it on the internet at uh, on Thursday, I believe. And that's the news. I'm looking forward to that game as well. As I said, don't hesitate to email us, jackettalkpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll be getting a voicemail mailbox set up for those of you with reactions uh, to the 2012 season. This has been Episode 2 of Jacket Talk. Tune in next week. Go Jackets!